0: So during this time when I had become Mormon, no, I had actually become a Christian, I think by that time, my dad becomes a Muslim. In Indonesia? Yes. So now I have a Muslim father. I had a Mormon mother. I had me as a Christian. Anyway, so that is why I was having such a struggle driving down to visit my parents.
1: Welcome to the Our Father Stories podcast, where we share stories of ordinary people experiencing the kingdom of God in everyday life. My name is Nate Paragoy, and I'm one of the pastors here at Our Father Lutheran Church in South Denver. And our mission is helping ordinary people know and share extraordinary life in Christ. I'm joined on this episode, as always, by my good friend and my co host, Pastor Micah Steiner. How
2: are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great, Nate. This is season two, episode one. We're back. Good to be back. It's good to be back. I've missed our little chats. Yeah. Uh,
1: speaking of chats, uh, today we're chatting with Tanya Berkenshaw, um, par- part of our church family. She grew up in the Mormon church, uh, left the church altogether, You know, had a crisis of faith, and realized that what she had known uh, and thought she knew about God was really a hoax. You might say, that's my word, not her word, and was really disillusioned. And then, uh, as an adult, after she married a Christian, really came to faith, and now her faith is life is completely
2: different. So it's a pretty exciting story, uh, a little bit longer, so we're going to get right to it. Uh, hope that you'll enjoy Tanya's story.
0: I will tell you, God has a supreme sense of humor with me, because you're starting Galatians. So I have a whole thing that happened with Galatians, specifically, because I didn't even know the books in the Bible yet. I mean, I really didn't. I was such a new Christian. We had just moved to Texas. I mean, just months before that, like October before that, essentially, I was baptized. That was a whole other huge deal that came to pass. And that was that was miraculous if you would have known me. So anyway, I was just brand new, and I feel like some of this is going to end up probably on the cutting floor, but I'm going to tell it with the three of us. So I we were in Texas. We were going to take a trip to visit my parents in Arizona. I'm really I'm an only child, super close to my parents, really close to my dad, who's lived overseas a lot. You know what I mean? But we are were, we're a lot alike, even though I'm adopted, a lot like my dad. So anyway, I was in the shower. I'm shaving my legs. Like I said, this is going to end up on the bedroom floor. And I'll let you all kind of decide which ends. But it's it was so, um, this just goes to show, it was nothing of my doing. I mean, it was so beyond. So I'm in there. I stepped in the shower normal and fine. And as I'm I'm shaving a leg, and all of a sudden, I had this massive, like I was so compelled to get out of the shower and pray. I have never had that experience happen before. But it was so strong that I found myself having this discussion with God in the shower, Hmm. like I was arguing. And on one hand, I was completely conscious, like, this is weird, you know, this can't be happening. And on the other hand, I was fully involved in this, you've got to be kidding. And I said, I actually, and now I'm starting to get kind of emotional at the time. And I was, and I said, but God, I don't want to get out and pray. I said, I still have a leg to shave. I said that. <laughs> and and yet I finally got out. It was cold and I'm standing there and I'm like, okay, God, I'm here. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to pray? And now this time tears are running down my face. None of this makes sense to me. And I heard, I didn't hear it, but it's like, I felt the word. I don't know how to explain that. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like a voice, you know, but I just heard Galatians. And I was like, I remember saying out loud, and this was so funny because I have I have a sense of humor, so I find things kind of just funny. And on one hand, I wanted to just laugh because this was like, I'm losing my marbles. And so I remember, and I'm crying, and I said out loud, I don't even know what Galatians <laughs> is. And I'm looking around for a Bible, and Rick had like a small one that's tiny to read on his bedside table. It wasn't even the one that I kind of had, right? I did have one. Um... So I went over and I remember saying, okay, okay, you know, if anybody would have been home, they would have thought I'd, you know, gone to the loony bin. And I just start flipping pages and all of a sudden I get to a page and it's the book of Galatians. Like this was a legit word, a legit chapter. I did not know the chapters of the Bible. I mean, I really didn't. I would know Genesis. I could, I could say revelations. Right. And I could probably do some of the, the new Testament too, you know. But not Galatians. So anyway, I just start reading. And I got to the 10th verse. And it floored me. Because the Mm. 10th verse is, am I trying to please God or am I trying to please man? The whole time, that whole morning, the whole beginning of the shower, what was going on in my head was, I'm about to have this trip to see my parents. And for the first time in my entire life, my dad and I are on opposite ends of Mm. things. And it has to do with religion because when well, they're
2: Mormons, there's some Mormons.
0: <laughs> How much time do y'all have? <laughs> okay. So my dad was originally Mormon was born and raised in Utah. But by that time, when he was young, they were dirt, dirt poor. They, and they had no, they didn't really believe their faith. They didn't practice it. Right. So by name only, he was Mormon. He ended up joining the military because he, they were so poor. He just wanted to own his first pair of shoes. And not be hand-me-downs, literally. So we joined the military, went to Germany, met my mother, a Lutheran. They got married. And uh, they came back to the States, adopted me in Colorado Springs. And they really had, they, they kind of believed that if I was going to have any kind of faith, I would just find it on my own. I find this kind of cute and endearing, but it's also kind of stupid. Because you can't really raise somebody in a vacuum something's going to fill it. Right. But I understand where they were going at. So, so my dad, his dog tag would say LDS, you know, my mom, you know, identified as Lutheran and my dog tag said Protestant. They just compromised somewhere in the middle. I was a Protestant, but that's kind of, that's how they kind of raised me. So we, um, I had very little experience with Christianity, really weird, odd little things like, um, I would go to church, to a non-denominational church with a neighbor, maybe a few times. Um, and, and that was kind of it. Nothing to really do with my parents. We went to Germany, came back. Um, and I remember I, uh, we lived back in Colorado Springs. My dad was about to retire from the military. And there was this lady, it was a mother of a, of a friend of mine. I don't remember the, the girl, you know, but the mother, I remember, she found out I was moving to Utah. And she came and she grabbed both my hands and she looked me in the face. I like hardly knew this lady. And she says, whatever you do, when you move to Utah, do not become a Mormon. They don't believe in God. And I remember that it was just shocking. You know, here you're 10 years old. Right. You know, hmm. Where did that come from? So anyway, the whole reason we moved to Utah was because my dad retired from the military and had taken a job in Indonesia and thought it probably is best to move his wife and his daughter closer to his family. That was the plan. So we moved there. He went to Indonesia. And at that time, his parents were very active. So then we had the, the missionaries come to the house and all that stuff. And so when I was 13, my mother and I were double baptized Mormon. My grandfather baptized us both. So people sit there and wonder, how in the world could somebody Lutheran be baptized Mormon? Right? So my mom was born during the war, lost her father when she was three, and didn't go to church because that's where families went. So she never really had that experience. She did get some corporal of it because she went to school. And so when, you know, you get your knuckles wrapped, it was kind of the brimstone side of things. But even despite that, my mom was always of faith. It was a personal faith with God, not really one rooted in biblical knowledge, right? Other than what she got corporally, but she did have a faith. But when you have that kind of background, you know, when you are um, introduced to the Mormon faith, It can be a really good selling point because it's so family focused. You know, they don't start off talking all about biblical things. It's all about the social Hmm. aspect of it. So that spoke to her because she was like, wow, you know, it comes from a military. people. You know, we're military kind of stick together, right? Hmm. So this idea of family and support, that really spoke to my mom. So we both got baptized when I was 13. And then we, you know, pretty much attended church during that time. Like, you know, I, I went through the normal experiences that someone would be at those ages. They um, wanted me to go do a baptism for the dead, things like that. Um, it's funny because I skated out of all of that. It just felt weird. And I wasn't really that interested anyway, yeah. you know? But, uh, but other than that, everything was kind of what you would expect. So I got to know it really, really well. My dad's entire family is Mormon. In fact, if you go to Utah and you go to this is the place monument, my ancestors on that. This
1: is the place this is monument. The monument. Wait, where is that at?
0: It's um, when they come down a canyon. When when the when the uh, pioneers first started coming down, which canyon is it? I can't even remember. But uh, there is there is a big monument. This is the place monument, and that's where they say this is the place, right? Huh? And so
2: it's like Brigham Young. Right?
0: Exactly. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. It was the party from Brigham Young. Yeah. So um, if you go back in my dad's genealogy, my maiden name is Grant. Wow. We're, we're there. Hmm. So we go way back. So anyway, um I did this through the whole time, you know, from the time I was 13 until I was late in high school, going to college and then I just left it completely. I finally came to the realization that so here's where I'm I'm a very scientific nerd. I am odd. I am a card-carrying scientific nerd. <laughs> and so You know, in fact, I was going to be a science, the high school science teacher, that was kind of my original plan. And then I ended up going into nursing, again, very science based. And what drew me to it was all the science, right? So anyway, when I finally kind of started looking um, more seriously at the faith, I just thought, this is ridiculous. So I saw so many holes in it, but yet since that was all that I had ever really been subject to for a consistent period of time, I made the decision that all religion was just made believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if A is nuts, then B, C, D, E, and F are probably all.
2: Yeah. Huh? So that's yeah. really interesting. So that was and my. When you're thinking. twenty, nineteen years old, yeah.
0: Okay. So, um, through Can I my yeah.
1: Ask you a quick question. Yeah. So when you said I looked at the holes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, what were some mm-hmm. of the things that you? found yourself going, wait what about that apart from the even whether or not it was verifiable just within the theology
0: oh um let's see i never trust when one man gets a vision in a cave yeah you know and then how everything bore out you know maybe because i'm female too it's the whole convenience of multiple wives you know i mean i understand Later on, i I went back and did a lot of studying on it. So I mean, some of my knowledge now is from that period of time, too. If you ever want to read a fantastic book that talks about that whole period, it is um, uh, no one, no one knows my name. Anyway, the lady who wrote it is Fawn Brody. She actually won a a writing um, award for a biography on um, one of the presidents of came. So she was a well-known writer. She was Mormon. She went back and wrote this book as a biography, uh, on Joseph Smith. Oh, cool. You read that and you say, okay, so much of this now makes sense. Not like, uh, like to the degree what, after she got done writing it, they excommunicated her.
2: Yeah. Under the banner of heaven is a similar vibe. It is that exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, no man knows my history. is I know a couple books. Very I know it's good. shocking. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, um, so there's just a lot of holes in it. It was, uh, it just seemed convenient I mean, truly, and of course, later on, when I finally became a Christian, which actually was a sudden conversion, so it. it, I want to get to that. So that's a whole other thing. I really love. I I love Paul. Mm -hmm. I totally relate to Paul (laughs) because when Rick and I were, we so I met Rick when I was fourteen. My husband now, right? So we met when I was fourteen. I met his cousin in seventh grade. That's how I got to know the family, and Rick's whole family is all Lutheran, and so. Rick's cousin, Lori, invited me to church when we were young, and um, so I went a few times. I brought her to mine a few times, and I remember when I brought her, she got into an arguing match with um, one of our, with our Sunday school teacher. You know, I thought, well, that's kind of brazen, <laughs> but I remember it stuck out. She had, she had a strong sense of faith. So that introduced me actually to this family that all have a very strong Christian background, And I dated Rick. I mean, we started dating when I... Technically, we started dating when I was 18. And then uh, we got married like seven years later, all throughout, you know, I went to college and got my degree and all that. And we got married and I was not a Christian. We had both our sons. I was not a Christian. My kids know this, you know. Um, We got married in a church because it was important to Rick. I could have cared less. We baptized both the boys. It was important to Rick. I'm fine. I'm, you know. Yeah. Um, But... Can I... Mm -hmm. So
1: if I'm hearing you're tracking if I'm tracking what you're saying, uh, grew up as a Mormon, went to college, left that behind, met Rick at that time. He's a strong Christian Lutheran background. And you get married. And so there's kind of still a vacuum in your heart at that time. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So so this is not your typical story, right? Often it's switched. Often the woman is of faith, the husband is not, we were exactly the opposite. And on top of that, I'm a really good arguer. I'm a debater. I was a debater. Poor Rick does not debate at all. I mean, clamps <laughs> down, forget it. He says, I turn the tables. I mean, that's the whole nine yards. So during all of this time where we were dating, and even after we got married, there was a portion of his faith I was both jealous of, I like I wanted it, but I was also very um, oh, demeaning about, because on one hand, I thought it was a convenient crutch, yeah. right? Um, it was a psychological thing we needed to tell ourselves for whatever reason, you know. Um, and and I got frustrated with him because that poor guy could not in any which way defend it. <laughs> he just had it, which is great to his credit, right? But he was a lot like my mother. She had it, couldn't defend it. And here I am. I am this college graduate. I am this science nerd. I'm a debater, you know. Yeah. And, and I would look at them all and I'm like, oh, for the love. I wanted to believe it. I wanted somebody to convince me why I should. Yeah. So that was that was years. I mean, Rick and I we would have arguments until the wee hours of the morning, and I would proverbially pin his hide to the wall, right? Because I wanted so badly to have the sense of comfort. Because ironically, even though I didn't really believe in God, I believed that there was evil. Hmm. Huh. So it wasn't until later that I had to really take a look at that. If you're going to believe in the opposite of, then you kind of have to put some credence in the opposite of that, right? But I didn't put that together. So I, I understood that there was that there was an evil, and you know, I also, for whatever reason, only on very few occasions, but had some very vivid, terrifying dreams when I was like in my middle teens. Um, that to this day I can still recount, but the, but they always had to do with the battle between good and evil hmm. and of my soul. And yet I wouldn't think about this. And then I would have this horrendous dream. And I think that's what would lead sometimes to me having these arguments with Rick because I was so trying to find some some solace in all of this, right?
1: Is it fair to say that you were searching for it and yet pushing against it at the same time? Is I wasn't even aware
0: I was searching for it until I had something that would happen yeah. That would make me then, yeah, so yes, I wanted to I wanted to find a way where I could finally let myself believe it, but I always held back.
2: there's a I just am reading this Tim Keller book uh, um for this book. can I interrupt? You sound so well read today. You know, it's so interesting. Uh usually I'm not the guy who reads the books, but today I am. So, Yeah, I'm, season 2 is up to a just you're a new man. I'm off to a great you do a book, club, now, a book club. Now I can't tell you with... what the book is called at this moment, but uh he's talking about he has a whole chapter on atheists who have had religious experiences and then and then diminish them because they can't come they, they have this like euphoric feeling of God is real and God is speaking to me and I, I have this overwhelming sense of beauty or evil or just, you know kind of what you said yeah. but then they come to their senses so to speak yeah. and then they they then convince themselves it's afterwards crying. it must have just been this or that or but there's there's like hundreds of examples that he's got in this book wow. of people doing that and then they just they deny it they they just choose not to
0: yeah. believe yeah.
2: and so Tim Keller's saying is look if if that's happening And you believe in a completely rational scientific empirical evidence-based world that just blew out your theory completely out of the water how do you how do you just dismiss it yes and he's like that in a sense they have faith that there is no god as much as a person more
0: faith
2: 100 but
0: but you have to remove the obstacle of pride because it's pride that gets in the whole way of that but you don't realize it until you look back right so anyway over all these years, we had been through so much. For whatever reason, all of a sudden, we decided to go listen to the speaker who was going to come to Logan, Utah, which is a, a sizable drive. It's enough of a drive that you stay the night when you get up there, right? I, I had no idea what this topic was going to be on. The whole thing makes no sense that I went. I didn't know it was religious until I was sitting in the theater seats and they were pushing, it looked like, you know, the, the holders that you get at, at, uh, at libraries with the books, and they were driving them down the aisles, and they were passing them down, and I looked at it, and I said, this is a Bible. <laughs> 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 and I was like, what? And all of a sudden, and then the speaker comes out. I don't know if you all know who Beth Moore is. I'm sure you yeah, know who Beth yeah, Moore yeah. is. It was Beth Moore. It was one of her first times ever coming to Utah. She's
2: like, gotcha.
0: She came out, got a bloody nose and blamed it on the evil one. And oh. I was like, what <laughs> have I gotten myself into? So I went.
1: And if you're listening to this, Beth Moore is like Christian mega church, Bible study teacher. Yes. Author, yes, kind of, yes you know, Southern Baptist, yeah, Southern
0: yeah. Baptist. Yeah. Um. So anyway, she comes out, she gets this bloody nose. She does that. And then I remember thinking, then they come out and there's this praise and worship team. And. All of a sudden, and I would get this when I'd go to church with Rick. I had a very physical response. Like I would get a headache, I would get sick. I actually had my heart stop beating once in church. Everybody sitting quietly.
1: Micah gets it a lot when when, oh, Nate, you, preaches. when Nate preaches. When
0: preaches. <laughs> 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 well, have you ever done this in church? And stood up. I stood up and gasped because my heart like literally stopped. Of course it came back, right? But now I made a complete fool of myself. So anyway, I would have these real wow. physical things happen. So I'm sitting here at this church, and all of a sudden, I mean, my heart's beating, my head, and I remember looking over at a friend, and I said, how long is this going to last? And I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a peacemaker in that I'm not going to be argumentative. I'm not going to be nasty. It's just not my style. But I'm like, when are we done, right? So I, I you know, grinned and bared it through the whole evening. Oh, Mad at myself. I can't believe I just got roped. How did I not see this coming? And the irony is, I invited my mother in law. I don't even know how that all worked. I mean, that even it was this, I I had no idea it was a Christian speaker yet. I invite my Christian mother in law. (laughs) Who was paying attention? Obviously, I was not. The next morning, you know, you have your next day thing, and then um, she, you know, tells everybody to stand up and hold the hands of the person next to you and say the sinner's prayer all right, well, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to feel it, but I'm going to do it because I feel like it makes more of a statement. So me sitting there, yeah. so I'm not argumentative in that It's like way. an
1: obligation. Yeah, I'm just going to
0: make... So th- during my the, all these years where I went to church as a non-believer, um, what was... So, and I, I want people to hear this. This is super important. My biggest concern was I would not offend anybody. Mm. I didn't want to offend these people. So I would sabotage us. I would make us late for church all the time. I didn't really want to go. Right. Mm. And because I just was, it was all this tumultuousness about the whole topic. But yet we would go. And then I would say to Rick, I feel so bad walking in late. And I did, because I didn't want to feel like I was tromping all over somebody else's, you know, um, holy place. Right. I am very conscientious that way. I think a lot of non believers are. Mm. And what really didn't dawn on me until later, until I had a pastor say something to me that was super pointed. I realized I wasn't good enough. That is at the core of all of that. That is the pride that covers Mm -hmm. it up. But you don't take off those layers easily, right? It's a process. So anyway, um, the next day, you know, I go to hold my mother-in-law's hands. She refused to stand up. She's like, I don't need to. I don't want a sinner. She's Lutheran. She's yeah. not gonna stand up and do the say Lord's the, the Sinners Prayer, to Southern no, Baptist. I'm good. She's, she's not gonna do that. So I'm standing there. It's cool. Dang it. So then I I hold my friend's hands, my friend to this day, and You know, and we're saying the prayer or whatever, we're kind of chuckling a little bit. So on the way home, I'm looking out the car window, we're driving, and I had a sudden overwhelming, almost tingly, but it wasn't feeling of peace, just go. Hmm. And at that moment, I thought, I'm going to get baptized. So if you would have known me leading up to that time, then you would know how revolutionary me driving home from that thing was that I had that sudden. So for the first time, I finally decided I can claim that as mine. That's a big thing Mm. because everything leading up to that was me not wanting to offend, me not really owning any of this. You all own it. It's all yours. And I know it's important to you. I can't figure out my way into this, you know, so I'm not going to do anything to hurt any of this. And the last thing I want to do is be a buffoon, you know, traipsing through it and doing something I shouldn't do. So anyway, I come home from our trip and I didn't even tell my family. And I called the pastor and I said, um, hello, you know, Pastor Bilo, this is Tanya, um, Tanya Birkinshaw, you know, Rick Birkinshaw's wife, you know, Sandy Lee's daughter-in-law, you know, she's a charter member. I mean, he's like, Tanya, I know who you are. He <laughs> married us, you know, but I felt like I had to tell him who I was, because he probably didn't know who I was. You know, he's like, Tanya, I know I know who you are. And I said, What do I do to be baptized? Just like that. So that was. So that was so revolutionary that now I felt this was mine to claim, Hmm. right? So, of course, God doesn't make anything easy for me. So I went ahead and um, uh, he said, "Well, come to the member class. So I did. And then I got done with that. And then um, we were in a church service. And at this point, I figured I had done all the things I'm supposed to do, right? Because I'm a rule follower in that regard. Right. I have now done ABC. Therefore, now I have earned not only what I feel like it's mine inside, but now I've earned it in other people's eyes, which was important to me. Yeah. Okay. So I go up and I take communion, and that later on that day, my cute little mother-in-law had made a big cake with a cross on it. You rented out the whole, the whole um, in her condo. You know how they have the, the community buildings. You know, big old party because, you know, Tanya got baptized. And there was this one of the slaves, there's always somebody in the congregation. And she said to me, tell me, how come you were able to take communion? Because my brother, so-and-so or whatever, had to do da 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 And he wasn't able to take it until he did da-da-da. And I can't remember. All I remember thinking was, I have screwed up. I mean, really, I have. And then I was livid, So then the pastor, I called him, poor guy, I called him and I blasted him in his ear over, how dare you not prepare me? How dare you not tell me? I still had to do this. I didn't know. So now I did what was almost my cardinal sin, right? Is that I screwed up and I did something I shouldn't have done. And I, you know, I was mortified, mortified. So then I had to get over that obstacle again with God, that it was okay. Because at the end of the day, it's not this person's judgment or that person's judgment. It's me and God. It's, it's where I'm at with God. But I had to fight back to that again, right? So it's like, why do I always have these uphill battles?
2: Well, go back to, sorry, go back yeah, no. to Genesis 1, the very first sin. Uh, Satan said, did God really say? And so isn't it just like Satan, you have this incredible life-changing experience with your baptism, uh, come to the Lord's table, wonderful moment, and then Satan comes in, using an old Lutheran lady, but uh, Satan comes in and tries to disrupt that. Did God really say that you're covered by my grace, that you got this? And that's a pretty common thing for new Christians uh, to the point where we, we just baptize this kid not too long ago, who came out of the Mormon church, by the way. Um, and I warned him, I said, Hey, you know, I don't want to scare you, but this is the last thing Satan wants. It's been my experience that, that you should know that he's going to come after you. So just be on guard for that. I don't know what that's going to look like for you. It may not happen, but it's been my experience that it will happen.
0: You give him my number. I will.
2: Yeah, yeah we need to connect you guys yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Because his whole family, I think, is still, they're, they're not Mormon anymore, but they're not practicing. They're yeah. just, they're nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to be nothing after you leave that. So yes, so that um, so I had that scenario, and then again, not too long after that, we're at church. My Rick's, you know, cousin has been bringing a friend to church with her who was Mormon, because this is Utah, right? And um, this friend, this is the day she actually got baptized. I have never met her until this day. She's sitting next to me. He's saying, "All right, time for communion." And would you believe this girl I did not even know looks over to me and she says, can I go do that? And I did this. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? Mm. Uh, You know what I mean? I have had such a massive struggle with this. And now you put this little girl who's just having the same struggle that I've had, who I've never met. And she looks at me for this question. Mm. How do you even want me to respond?
1: So what happens next?
0: I looked at her and I said, go for it. So there is an element of me, how I was raised that I look at how others have been raised in faith. And I think it's awesome. I am so glad in a way I was not raised that way because I think I was raised exactly how I needed to be. Because later on, when I became the women's ministry director, you know, in Austin, I would tell mothers, it's okay if your kids look like they're straying. It's okay. At some point, they're going to have to own this on their own they can't own it through you. Let them meander their way through, but have some faith that they're going to meander their way back and finally own it. Because that's exactly what happened to me. Hmm. When we raised our boys, I raised them in a way of, I was very open. They all know I was an atheist. They all know that I have had my struggles. And they always knew that if they had their struggles with doubt or faith or actions or whatever they can come and tell me because i am so non-judgmental over it i get it yeah right so during this time when i had become mormon no i had actually become a christian i think by that time my dad becomes a muslim
2: in indonesia
0: yes so now i have a muslim father i had a mormon mother i had me as a christian anyway so that is why I was having such a struggle driving down to visit my parents in that shower because my dad, even though he converted to Islam, now let's think about this: how easy is it to go from Mormonism yeah. to Islam?
2: One law, oriented, pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Tenant based, yeah. right? Work based. You do A, B, C, D, right? So um They're it,
2: basically the same religions with different names for God. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And you know what? Both things kind of came to pass in a cave.
2: And one person. Read, yeah. Yeah.
0: So anyway. And they both start with
2: the same letter. So that's It's right. easy that's to right. make that leap. Islam a right. Mormon or yeah. Muslim. Yeah.
0: Yeah, true. I mean, I love That's literally my contribution <laughs> to
1: the letter M. Today's brought to you by the letter M.
0: <laughs> so I mean, I had actually defiled an entire book, an entire Quran book from the library. Leading up to that trip because I had read the whole Quran and because my dad and I, about two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, then we're going to get into these discussions, right? And I was like, I'm reading, I'm going to read this whole thing. And I had so many pencil marks throughout that whole Quran of things that went back and, you know, talked against itself or, I mean, you know, all the contradictions that actually the library called me and they told me that I would have to pay for the cleaning of the book. Oh, <laughs> Yikes. I'm like, <laughs> I really thought I erased it. Well, she's like, no, you did yeah. not. Yeah. And now I'm in Texas, right? So it's Bible Belt, which I really loved. Mm-hmm. And I finally told her, look, I'm sorry. I was going to admit my dad. He's Muslim. And she's like, oh, I totally understand. <laughs> she was so sweet to <laughs> like, me. Wait, she did. She's like, I totally get it. I'm <laughs> so sorry.
2: Could you imagine that that conversation in a Colorado library? It'd be crickets. Any other than the oh, library.
0: I totally. <laughs> I know. And so I miss that. So anyway, um, uh, yeah, so... So now i got to tell you one more thing, because this, this is a whole other funny thing. The timing of things are always interesting. So it was a December and our, um, our the director of adult ministry down at Redeemer in Austin, he said to me, Tanya, why don't you just come and do just a little blurb on Mormonism to the youth? You know, I said, well, sure. You know, it's an hour. Great. And so I showed up and we just, I talked about counterfeitism. Right? How do how do the FBI? How do they tell what is you know counterfeit money? I'm sure this is a talk people have given before. Right? It's it's not you you don't get really good at what all the different counterfeits are. You get really good at what the original is. Mm-hmm. They can tell by the feel and all this stuff. Right? Because my point is, my mother who was Lutheran became a Mormon. Right? Father who was a Mormon became a Muslim. You know, there is something to be said. These people are not stupid. There's a lot of people out there who could kind of fall in the same, you know, thing. Anyway, it was so well attended that he says, would you come back and actually teach a Sunday school class?
1: Can I see a question? Like, yeah. is like the is the am I good enough thing underneath kind of calling your name? Like, like were you intimidated because there was some some voice in your head saying, Am I good enough? Kind of like it had Heavens. been a refrain for you earlier.
0: Heavens, yes. Heavens, yes. Yeah. Who am I? And then I get a call from a lady named Andrea, and she says, "Uh, Tanya, this is Andrea from Redeemer. And she says, we have a question to ask you. I said, okay. And she says, would you be our director of women's ministry? And I said, Andrea, that is a really thoughtful thing to ask, but I think you have me mistaken for somebody else. And that's okay, because I look like a lot of people. People are always thinking I look like somebody's cousin or sister. I'm sure that you weren't meaning to call me and that's okay. I was legit. That's how I felt. Surely she cannot be asking me. And I said to her, I said, she says, Tanya, I know who you are. We're asking you. We prayed about this. We're asking you. And I said, Andrea, I don't even know your vernacular. Like, I don't even know how y'all hmm. talk. You see what I mean? I said, I, I mean, this, I am, this is not. You know, and and I said, look, because I am respectful. I said, I will give it the weekend full on planning to tell her no, but I'm not going to say no right now. That's just she took all this time to call. And, you know, I said, I'll 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 think about it on the weekend. So I hung up. I look at my husband. He's laughing. He knows me. Right. I call my mother-in-law. I could even hear doubt in her sweet little voice. And she's like (laughs) one of my biggest fans. And she's like, (laughs) and so so I, you know, I, yeah, I'm going to tell him no on Monday. I call on Monday. Andrew, yes, I would love to do it. What? And I did it. I said it. I I accepted it. I said, what in the world am I doing? <laughs> so, yes. This is a full-time gig? Uh, yeah. Because
2: w- what were you doing before? You were nursing? Uh, yeah. And you gave that up.
0: And, I ended and- up giving that up. I was doing all internal chart audits for North Austin Medical Center. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I ended up doing the adult women's ministry director. Yeah, I did that for a few years, and then ended up working in the, as a school nurse, and then I, which worked great because I was their first school nurse, and um, and then I also did women's Bible study still every Wednesday, and yeah. Okay,
2: so here's a cool thread that I've i heard you say. Um, let me see if I can get all the pieces together. Yeah, uh, quasi religious family growing up, you're very quasi. You you go to church uh, in a Mormon church as a youth. Um, a random friend invites you to a Lutheran church. so your first set your first connection with with a Christian congregation?
0: No, actually, um, I I would go to a little non-denominational Christian church on base in Stuttgart, Germany.
2: Okay. well here here's what I was thinking of. So we have in in the way in which we disciple people to share faith. We have this scale that we stole from some smart guy. and it's basically negative 10 is a complete atheist zero is point of conversion plus 10 is you're a disciple for christ
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and it can be so hard when you know people family members friends who work co-workers who you're trying to share faith with and and you can have faith-based conversations you can invite them to church when you don't see that conversion we tend to get disappointed and go gosh why aren't they getting it well this whole point of the scale is like well look every single moment of your life the holy spirit's chasing after you because. That's what God does. He wants you to be to know the love that Jesus has for you. Well, if by God's grace, through a conversation, through an act of service, through an invitation, God uses you to, to put that person from negative 10 to negative 0.999, that's still a, a process of conversion. And you may never get to see the person come. To, so I think about the family that invited you to church in Germany. They'll, they may have never known that what could have happened. You're the friend who invites you to church when you're in high school um, the friend who invites you to go to see Beth Moore, the friend who, uh, you know, all these different points. You also said that your mother in law was very, she, she didn't necessarily have words so much. She, it was her actions that you were attracted to, um, the conversations that you had with Rick. So God's using all these 20 some years before you come I to another level. I love of Jesus.
0: that you bring this up. I love it. And I love that you have that kind of scale because you know, one of your questions and your prompts is, you know, what have you learned? Right. And one thing I've told people so many times is if anybody had had, uh, I've had more scripture quoted to me when I didn't care Hmm. than you could imagine. And you can argue with somebody till you are blue in your face. But if they're not ready, if it's not, and I, I really believe for my experience, it was God's timing because there was, there was no reason that that coin dropped exactly at that point, except that was just, I feel that that was just my time. That was my time, my time with God. That is when so many things just went click, 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 right? Um, and I think there is a timeline for people and it doesn't mean that our efforts are wasted. And I was thinking about this on the way in today because that's not the case, but more than likely you're either planting a seed or you're watering a seed, but very rarely do you actually get to reap the the harvest. Yeah. You don't get to see yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And and I think um when we've I've been involved in groups where we talk about going out and being disciples and you know going and talking to people and da-da-da-da. I'm not really big on doing that. I'm just not. A lot of people are and they do it very well. I'm not, and I'm not because I think I was on the receiving end of that a lot of times. And um, and I also feel like it is such a personal thing with a person and God that, yeah, you need to have the people who plant the seed. You need to have the people who introduce things, you know, and can water it and can look back and you can say, there it is, there it is, there it is, right? But I think we as believers carry far too much pressure on our yeah. shoulders to do it yeah. and far too much of an idea that we really have that much control. Yeah. We don't. Yeah, You know?
2: Well, Peter. Peter's advice is always, always have an answer yes. when someone asks.
0: When someone asks. So yeah. be re- and
2: it's not to say that we should just be like, okay, well, I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to wait for people to come to me. Well, no. I, I think of your mother-in-law who had a, a faith worth imitating, a life worth imitating that was attractive. And and then you can, so we still, there is some work that God calls us to do. Like, like it or not, but God does call us to be disciples in this world but i think the american evangelical movement that that's been the dangerous thing for us or a hard thing for us because it, it it teaches you like you have to have you have to have the believers prayer you have to have all these things in your pocket and just go and be almost like assaulting people with your faith and i think their intentions are right yeah i do too but the way they execute it pushes people comes like, out judgmental mm-hmm. yeah
0: and, uh, and that's the problem. It comes out, again, like um, I'm going to dress this way, talk this way, and be this way because that is the expectation that I feel God has for me. So I then can turn around and show you, look how good this all looks. Don't you want to come over here? That's kind of how that gets twisted, you know? Hmm. And I remember growing up with Sandy. I mean, I can swear like a sailor. No problem with that. I mean, I did when I was younger, right? I would take God's name in vain all the time because it didn't matter to me. There was Who cares, right? Um, that woman never once said anything negative to me. Not once. Later on, I look back and I go, oh my goodness. The fact that she continued to just accept me and treat me with love and respect, even all those years, I mean, we're, we're best friends now. You know, she's 83. Me and her are tighter than tight. So we've got to enjoy this wonderful relationship that a lot of people don't get to have with their mother-in-law or daughter-in-law. You know, we're super, super close. The day that I had that whole Galatians thing, she's the only person I called. I called her on the phone in tears after having that experience. I didn't call anybody else. I called her because I knew she was one person that I could share that all with. And she wouldn't make me feel weird. And she, you know, um, so yeah, you know the way that she's walked her walk, the way I've watched her deal with controversy, with difficulty with children. You know, I have walked, watched her walk through so much with so much faith. It is that that spoke to me. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, you know, Rick and I went to a, to a marriage retreat once. That was a horrific experience. I was not yet a believer. And, um, I, you know, I've had things shoved at me in so many ways and made me feel just horrible or defensive or angry on so many levels. And through all of that, watching Sandy just walk her walk hmm. was what really spoke the most to me. And what people don't realize too, is it's, they want it quick. We as humans, we like to swoop in, do a great job. People convert. And it's it's not, it's not that it's a relationship. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, you, you were saying this a minute ago. That reminded me of Galatians chapter one. You know, you said verse ten. Paul talks about i am I trying to please?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember that later in that chapter, as we're looking at it right now, and during kind of these months of the summer, in sermons in it, our father, um, where he goes on to tell his conversion story and gives just the highlights. Yeah. You were talking about I wasn't ready then. Yeah. <laughs> and uh,
0: scales on my eyes. Yeah.
1: Paul had the law in front of him and probably only the law for so long. Yeah. And yet I take great comfort where Paul talks about God called me. It was his work. And, uh, you know, if he can change, there's some hope for me that anybody.
0: Anybody. All of us. Yes.
2: Another conversion story that's famous is St. Augustine. And his mom, Monica, was a Christian. And he was like super pagan, like reveled in all kinds of uh, extracurricular activity. Uh, that was hard for me to let go of the old Adam stuff. And it, it, the famous quote is something like, um, I was converted via the the prayers and the tears of my mother. And so she had to watch him from afar and could do nothing um, but pray. Because there was no, he was, he was intellectually superior in his own mind. So his mom had nothing from this little Bible that she would read every day that she could share with him. But she just every day prayed, 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 cried for him, prayed, 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 mm. prayed. Pray uh and that that is similar it sounds like to Sandy's relationship with you yeah. um and so maybe for for listeners who right now this is the story hits them they're thinking about a kid who's wandered from the faith their spouse is not a believer and they've been praying pray. how would you address them what 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 would you say to them if if there's somebody in their heart that they're worried about
0: well i would say in the end you never know how it's going to turn out i still pray for my father all the time. right? Um, you don't know how it's going to turn out, but if you're only in it because you're worrying about how it's turning out, then you're not in it for the right reasons. You're in the relationship to love them. That's what we're called to do. That's why I find it very easy on that regard to be a Christian because I'm just called to love. That's, I can do that. I don't need to be called to judge. I don't do that well. Hmm. I'll just be called to love. And, and that's where you're at. And if it turns out, I mean, it worked out really well for us. It worked out really well for Rick because his wife ended up converting. But that's not always the case, you know, and you have to love a person. I, I truly believe there's a lot that happens between the times our eyes close and our soul goes. We don't really know. Um, you don't know. You don't know what happens with God and that person, even up to that really that point. And it's not ours to know. Yeah. Right. Um uh, then our focus is not the right place. Our focus should be on the relationship with that person and just loving them. That's who we are supposed to be in our relationship with God. You yeah. know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would love to say it always turns out well, but it's, it, do, it doesn't. And that's why it's so important to just be in your right place with God, because you don't have all the answers, and we're not ever going to get them on this side of heaven.
1: Well, it's so good to spend some time with you today, Tanya. Thank you.
0: Likewise, to, thank you. To hear
1: about how you didn't always have that, and how grateful you are now. Thanks for joining
0: us thank today. You. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, my good friend Micah Steiner, good to be back in the studio with you. Season two, baby. Uh, Studio 8A, what is it on? Yeah, 8A, you got it, yeah. Um, Season two, episode one, Tanya's story was incredible. As you think about what jumped out at you, what are you walking away with?
2: I loved her little take. She said that I'm good at loving people, but I'm a horrible judger. I thought that was a clever way to say a couple of different things at once. It did strike me though, because we do live in the real world with real people and it's very easy Satan would love for us to do this, to, to see somebody who's different than you, who thinks differently, who is different than you. And our culture teaches that you should really hate that person, that anybody who thinks different than you is an enemy. And
1: can I temper that a little bit?
2: Yeah. Or even just to withdraw.
1: Maybe it's not yeah. always extremist hate, but just kind of like there's an invisible wall and we kind of distance ourselves? Maybe I bit. was
2: thinking more like I just w- was looking at the news on some political debates that are going on right now, and then the, the left is saying this, the right. So maybe that's in my head a little bit too. But, or maybe you're just a hateful person. Or I have my own but issues you know. that we need to work on right now. Hold my hand. Um, but I, I thought that that was a great uh, reminder for me personally and also for all of our listeners. Love and let God do the judging. Our, our job is to point people to Jesus through our love. You know, for
1: me, I was really struck by the story of her experience and how God worked through people and God worked through moments and brought her along the way, little by little over time. And I'm someone who grew up in the church. I grew up in the Lutheran church and uh, was in this bubble and can take for granted that God's working in all kinds of ways all the time in our experiences. You know, we're really big as Lutheran Christians on how the objective word of God norms and forms our faith and experiences are secondary to that. For her, they were primary and they moved her to the word as she shared at the end. And so, you know, I think it's easy for us to always think, well, I want what the other person has. People who grew up in the church want the experiences and people, as she admitted, uh, and encouraged us to be grateful. Yeah. What a People blessing. who have the experiences want the other thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. So the human heart's a weird thing, but um, that was really striking for me.
2: Yeah, that was cool.
1: Um, Michael, what about next steps as we're listening to this?
2: Yep. We have just launched something that we are crazy excited about called our faith courses. These are 12 theological classes dealing with the theology of the Lutheran Church, dealing with the scriptures, dealing with some practical apologetic things
1: how to share your faith, how to, share how your to faith. read the Bible
2: all these things that we need as Christians, core curriculum, and that has already started, depending on when you're listening to this, you can plug in at any time, but two classes that we just started, Pastor Abel's teaching from dust to glory, I'll be teaching a class based on the first Peter scripture that I referenced called Always Ready, Always Having an Answer to Defend Your Faith, to Answer the Questions that People Have. So you can plug into that right now. So we're recording this before those have launched on September 10th.
1: This episode will air the day after that on the 11th and so we would encourage you if you're thinking man i want to get in god's word and i want to kind of get a sense of the big picture of the bible and all these things that you just heard micah mention this is where you start uh, we'd love for you to join us sunday mornings at 9 30 and you can learn more about that uh, at our website oflc.net you don't even have to put www in front of it
2: wow yeah new season new rules i love uh-huh.
1: it uh so thanks for listening And uh, for more stories like this one, go to ourfatherlutheran.net slash stories.